0: Hey, Facebook and YouTube and podcast listeners on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you are hearing this or seeing it, welcome in. Today we talk about the Eucharist, communion, the Lord's table, the Lord's supper, the breaking of bread, whatever you want to call it. It's supposed to bring us together. Let's hope it starts doing that, eh? This is the deep end.
1: Ben Podcast.
0: Hello, hello, hello! I forgot that that opening is much shorter now. <laughs> Usually, we're here cracking jokes, eh? <laughs> um welcome I mean, in my canadian brothers today
1: right. <laughs> i was wondering where you go i've never heard pastor tim say a before i have said a I before my canadian top
0: today. how do you know i've never said
1: a before i in lot my
0: lifetime as a christian
1: i've never heard you say I, that i talk for a living there's it's impossible <laughs> that i didn't say a at some point in my life it but. reminded me of my old favorite movie um eh? uh what was that the Mackenzie brothers strange brew did you ever see that it's a very no. Christian movie. so uh.
2: I, don't want, I don't watch Christian movies. No, man. it's not a
1: Christian movie. It's <laughs> anything but a Christian movie. Travis. I only watch Cheech and Chong. Okay. <laughs> yep. Hey, welcome to the deep end. Yeah, welcome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so welcome in uh, Chris and Josh to the deep end this week. What's going on? Hello. And everybody on Facebook, We always, I always ask this. Not many of you do it, but I want you to do it. Would you please let us know where you're watching from? Uh, whatever town, state, mm-hmm. municipality, country. Mm. Maybe you're in Canada, eh? Yeah. Or, <laughs> and let us know the room. Are you in the bedroom, the bathroom, the family room? Right. Now we're, now <laughs> no, we're don't do that. Personal, no. no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> how, about, how about the dining room? Yeah, the dining room, maybe. For today's topic. For today's topic, that's right. Because we are talking about the Lord's Supper, the meal that we are supposed to celebrate and come around together as the church. So why don't we dive in to the uh, passage here. We're going verse by verse or section by section through 1 Corinthians in the Deep End podcast. And we are at verse 17 of chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians. And uh, today we're going to talk about a very familiar passage. When I read this, you're going to be like, I hear that a lot at Waters Church or at my church because this passage is quoted. But unfortunately, this passage is not quoted in context so that we don't really get the thrust of what Paul's trying to say here and sometimes misinterpretations ensue about the words concerning the Lord's supper eating it unworthily mm. uh, ju- drinking and eating and drinking judgment to oneself examining oneself what does it all what that mean and you know How do we apply that? So today, this is what we're talking about. And let's get the whole context of these instructions from Paul to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. And here's what he says in verse 17. I'm going to read it, then we'll talk about it. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord. Here's the familiar passage. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat the bread and and drink of the cup. For if anyone... Okay, and that's the end of chapter 11 in First Corinthians. And the next time we're together, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Ooh. So Baptists, beware. That's <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Two weeks from now, because next week, next Wednesday is first Wednesday, and we will not have the podcast right. next Wednesday. All right, so Paul is talking about the Lord's Supper, and he's telling the Corinthians, um, I got nothing good to say to you about this, which is kind of stern on Paul's part, but this is... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's important because we got to take it seriously, what he says about the Lord's Supper, and we have to understand what the Lord's Supper means for us, and we have to properly administer it and take it. Um, some Christians call it the Eucharist. Some Christians call it the Mass. Some Christians call it the Lord's Supper, Communion, the Lord's Table, uh, the breaking of bread. It, it, just the names alone, the number of names alone, signify the fact that this table, rather than bringing us together, oftentimes drives us apart. Right. Right? Sad to say. Mm-hmm. I I just, I want to someday just, not someday, some days I want to just beg the church, would you just stop arguing about things that are not essential and focus on what is essential and come together as the Christian family of God and love one another. Amen. Instead of demonizing each other, us demonizing Catholics, Catholics demonizing us, Baptists demonizing Pentecostals, Pentecostals demonizing Baptists, all of our divisions, you know, in Look, we're not all gonna agree on everything, and that's you know, that's impossible because we're human. But can we agree on the main thing? You know, Christ died for our sins according to the Amen. scriptures. Yeah. And to come together around that and remind ourselves that we are sinners saved by grace. Now, yeah. the institution that God that Jesus Christ gave us to do that is the supper, uh, the Lord's Supper. Mm-hmm. Which we take and we divide. you know, we, <laughs> we we overly, I think, interpret sometimes, and we read into Scripture at other times, and we don't, and sometimes we take flippantly. And so, ultimately, what is this table about? And here's one positive thing I can say about the name Eucharist. The name Eucharist actually is the Greek word, it comes from the Greek word eucharisto, which means give thanks. Wow. Mark chapter 14, 23. Did wow. not know that. Yeah. yeah. Mark chapter 14, verse 23, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, Eucharisto, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. So he's talking there about giving thanks for the blood of Jesus. Amen. We should. And that's what we must do. This table, whenever we participate in the Lord's table, we are participating in giving thanks to God for the blood and the broken body of his son, Jesus Christ, for our sins. Mm. And so... Uh, we live in a very thankless society. We live in a society that is dominated by wanting other people's things and lives. Right.
2: Well, actually, you just wrote a um. Just, yeah. You just wrote a uh, blog blog on this. Yeah. Yeah, we're a blog about this. Teaching to the yesterday. To be thankful. Yeah. It's Teaching really good. Check it out. Thankful. Tim Hatch Live. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank
0: you, we, really. we 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 read it. Special plug. plug there. Thank you. <laughs> but you know we we we've got to appoint thankfulness, and that was the theme of the um of the blog post. We have to appoint thankfulness in our lives. Because we are so dominated in our culture by
1: covetousness. Yeah. You're either grateful uh, or you're grumbling. You know? uh, <laughs> We're thankful once a year on the day when we eat turkey. Yeah, and that can't be. That can't be for the
0: church. No. no. So the Lord came, called us back to this table regularly to say, remember what I've done for you so that you live thankful. That's so good. that no matter what what other garbage is going on in your life, you know you might be having a hard time with your... Um, kids, or you might be having a hard time at work, or you might have be ha- having a hard time with some sin issues in your life, some habits you can't seem to break, or maybe you just don't feel like you ever have enough money, or, or your, your, your spouse doesn't respect you, or your boss hates you, or your job is out to get you, or whatever it is that you've got looming over you, and, and it's just telling you that your life stinks, get back to this table so that you can remind yourself that the greatest problem you ever had, your disconnection from God, has been solved once and for all through the sacrifice of Jesus, yeah,
1: was something, something to be thankful about. Something to be thankful about. We are people
0: of thank. We are to be people of thankfulness. Mm. Um, remember that great uh, diatribe that Paul goes off on in uh, Romans chapter one verse twenty one when he talks about the idolatry of uh, culture cultures throughout the history of humanity, and he starts it off by saying, "For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God." Or give thanks to him, right. but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I said this way back in our Thanksgiving message was that thankfulness keeps our minds alert. It keeps us living in the light of God's goodness instead yeah. of getting lost, wandering in the darkness of the world's comparison and, and covetousness. Yeah. And so we come now to the Lord's table for that for that reason. We come to say thanks. Now, there are two extremes that we want to avoid when it comes to the Lord's table. And the two extremes are that we get too ceremonial on this, on this side of my slides, or we get too casual uh, over here on this side. So too ceremonial or too casual? Because these are the extremes that I see in the church today. Mm-hmm. So we're not Catholic, obviously, here at Waters Church. No. But, but what does that mean? And uh, one of the big uh, differences between us and Catholics is the... Table of the Lord, communion, and how we see the elements, and how we see the bread and the wine or the grape juice in our in our church here, Mm. and what do we do with it? Now, the two ceremonial view of the Lord's table is this is the very medieval Catholic theology. Uh, This dates back way into the you know the medieval times where they believed that the offering of the blood and I'm sorry of the wine and the bread to God was a kind of resacrificing of Jesus to affect uh, justification for those who receive it in mm. the mass. yeah. so mm. that friends,
2: if you believe that, you haven't read scripture. <laughs> okay I'm So just, what you're what you're saying there is that uh, that that practice was actually buying their salvation. Not buying,
0: but um, needed for needed for yeah, it was affecting salvation. Yeah. Mm. Again, resacrificing the re, now, Catholics, by and large, I believe, and I've read up a little bit on this, and I'm not, I don't want to speak for all Catholics, but by and large, they have softened this view a little bit. But there are still some hardliners uh, who date, harken back to uh, medieval theology, and say, no, 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 that is a resacrifice of Christ. We need to resacrifice him every week, and you have to receive him every week to be rejustified every week. No, yeah, no. that's not. Biblical theology, I'm just telling you, there's a difference many times, unfortunately, between Catholic theology and biblical theology um, around these things. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12 says this, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, Christ offered, not the priest, Christ and only Christ could ever offer God the Father a perfect once and for all time sacrifice for sins. Right. Yeah. Okay? Yep. The church does not need to re-offer that. Yeah. We do not need to reoffer that. What we need to do is announce that it has been done, and to them that God gives faith to believe, they receive him and they are born again of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's finished. It is finished. I mean, amen. That's right. Amen. It is finished. So we want to avoid the extreme of ceremonial, which means it becomes this kind of sacrament, this kind of means of grace by which we get resaved or make sure we are still connected or work toward our salvation. No, your salvation is not of works, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. It is not of works that you cannot boast. It is a gift of God, and even the faith to believe it is a gift of God. Okay, yeah. And so we avoid the sac- the ceremonial extreme, but at the same time we want to avoid the too casual extreme, which we may fall into as a kind of a casual right. church, you know, dress yeah. down church. Yeah. I don't put on vestments, <laughs> I don't have a hat, no. <laughs> a little pope hat, you know. I don't, I don't have, um, you know, uh, what do you call them? The the beads, the rosary the, the beads, rosary, rosary beads. things yeah. around your neck. Sure. And I I, uh, I dress in jeans and preach on the stage. And you know, yeah, I grew,
2: I grew up Catholic for the first. Uh, 12 or 13 years of my life. And my favorite part of the whole service was they had those bells. Yeah, the bells. They
0: and Chris, you grew up Catholic. Yes, I went so, to a Catholic high school. Yeah, so. we got two guys who, you know, have a lot of familiarity with all yeah. that. But on the other extreme is the too casual, which I I probably would say I grew up in. Okay. I almost became too casual. Again, mm. I always, I tell this to people a lot, but, you know, my youth pastors, my first youth pastor was a Jesus movement a, a convert, right. you know, yeah. so. There's a hippie. Yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll hippie who became a Christian and then yeah. became a seriously like, casual Christian. And, and I think that there's an extreme there, too, so that you become almost like, yeah, just grab a hunk of bread and drink a gulp of wine in Jesus' name. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's not communion. That's not the Lord's table.
1: Don't a cup.
0: You know, you, you're not doing this when you, when you go to McDonald's and you break a fry in half and say,
1: okay, take and eat. This is my you know? <laughs> grape Grape-flavored Sprite or whatever. And could I ask um, to on the ceremonial part? Is that kind of one of the reasons why we don't do communion every week at Waters? Well, we don't do communion every week. Uh, it, yeah, that that is kind of a view,
0: kind of a reason. Okay. So that is not; it doesn't become ceremonial, um, ceremonial, and just kind of dead ritual, right. And just routine. And we don't want we don't want something as sacred as the Lord's meal, which it is sacred. Yeah. We don't want something like that becoming um, part of the scenery. Mm. Like it just becomes like white noise. White noise, exactly.
1: Right, right. And you just don't Ritual. pay any
0: attention to it. Now, the other, the biblical reason why we don't do it every week is because it's not commanded that we do it every week.
1: Right. That's
0: good. Now, now, you can infer that on the first day of the week, it says in a couple times in, cha- in in the book of Acts, actually only one time in the book of Acts, where it says on the first day of the week they gathered to break bread. Um, but breaking bread could be a euphemism for just eating, and it could be a euphemism for the Lord's table. Right. We don't have... Total clarity in the scriptures um, that says you must celebrate this once a week, once a month, once a year. It doesn't say that. Right. But it does say do it regularly. So we do do it regularly. We'll talk about that at the end. Okay. I think most people are familiar when it happens, but we'll talk about that at the end. But first, let's get to uh, the passage. And I want to break this down into a simple uh, message for you is the Lord's table has one point to it. Okay. The Lord's table has one point. And the point of the Lord's table is unity in community Mm. through the once for all sacrifice of Jesus. The table is meant to bring us together, though we are many colors, tribes, nations, social statuses, economic classes, uh, whatever you want to say in the one sacrifice of Christ we come together as the one people of God. Yeah, and that's what we got to remember,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's what the Corinthians had forgotten. Okay. So, three three sections about this text. Uh, the problem, and that is the problem that he's going to address, is that the Corinthians had become uh, divisive and factious. Is factious a word? Yeah. Sectarian. They had become sectarian and class oriented around this meal. Then number two is the reminder. He's going to go back and say, remember the Lord's instructions concerning this meal. Remember what it was all about. Remember that right before or right after the meal, he washed the feet of the disciples, including Judas's feet.
1: Yeah, that's good. You know,
0: remember that this meal is supposed to remind us of the selfless sacrifice of Jesus. And if we follow him, we are supposed to be living selflessly and sacrificially toward Mm. those who love us and even may hate us like our Our own Judas is out there. And then third, the resolve, which is a stern warning that Paul gives here at the end of chapter 11, to repent through self-examination and discernment of the body of Christ. So those are the three sections. Let's talk about the problem, number one. The problem, Paul says, in the following instructions, I don't commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better but for the worse. Okay, before we go any further there, I want to talk about that word come together. Okay. The church must come together. Mm. Five times in this text— He tells them, come together, come together, come together. Um, Can I just say to you out there in cyberspace, watching, and those of you who only watch church online in your living rooms, you are not participating in the body of Christ by doing that. (laughs) You're watching. The online experience, and this is a complete side. This is an aside from the Lord's table for a moment. Let me just take a time out and just talk about this because it needs to be talked about. If your only experience of water church is to watch us on the internet, from the comfort of your family room you you are actively in disobedience to and, you're, and you're missing
2: out man you're missing out but, yeah. but
0: more importantly you're in active disobedience to, yeah. to god's word yeah. we are commanded to come together yeah and I'm, and by that i don't mean you and your kids you and your kids are always together <laughs>
2: well, pastor you, i come together with my children and my family yeah, you know, my
0: yeah no I come together too. The reason why I come to church is to get away from them sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> at
1: least for an hour.
0: <laughs> but what do we, we want as kids? We have to come together because the church is the coming together of God's body. If you don't come together, you have no one that you can serve other than yourself and your kids, and mm. everybody naturally serves their kids. That's baloney to say it's your, your family is your church. That's baloney. And you need to repent here. And don't let our online experience be an excuse for you not to get actively involved in a local community. Mm-hmm. The online experience of Water Church is given to, 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 the, to our community, and to others, for two reasons. For a, as a gateway to come to our church. Right. So that eventually you say, oh, I could go to that church. And you come. And secondly, as an alternative for when you are out of town or busy with work or, or snow sick days. with the flu. Mm-hmm. Or there's, you know, yeah. <laughs> If you have the flu, we don't want you coming. Yeah, please. (laughs) Stay home.
1: Your germs at home.
0: Yeah. But the thing is that Paul says in this passage says, five times, please come together. Mm. How can you experience the unity of of Christ if you never come together? So that's just a little bit of an aside there. Come together. Now, he says, when you come together, Corinthians, he says, it is not for the better, but for the worse. I got a question for you guys. Have you guys out there in cyberspace and Facebook listening to us and watching us? Has anybody ever been a part of the church? Uh, part, has anybody ever been a part of a church where when you left, you felt worse, not better?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, attack the Catholic Church, but my experience, my first experience of church was going to Catholic Mass in school, and there were people left and right falling asleep. There were people that were, ex- I mean, I got to miss math class. That yeah. was the most positive aspect of it but besides <laughs> yeah, again, that, again
0: we don't want to speak for the whole catholic church no this so was just my experience, experience too. just like in my experience <laughs> as being raised a protestant a pentecostal protestant uh many of our church gatherings were for the worse, not the better yeah yeah so you know it is in in that vein and it is one of the core values of waters church ministry here is that i'm always asking you guys and i'm always asking myself too, when i prepare messages The last question I ask, the last question we should be asking before we go out there and do anything on the weekend is will this help people? Yeah. Or will this hurt people? Right. Sure. We don't want to be a church that gives you more scars. Life gives you enough scars. We want to be in the healing scars business. Yeah. You know, so we we wanna be a life-giving church. That's one of our primary goals is when people come, do they feel like they're getting life? Right. They're walking out the door saying, I'm thankful I was there. God blessed me today. God spoke to me. Mm-hmm. So uh, where, where do we get that idea? We get it from Scripture because Paul says there's a problem here in verse 17. He says when you come together, it's not for the better. You're hurting people. You're not helping people. You're making things worse. Well, how were they coming together? Okay, so we'll get there in a moment, but let's look at verse 18. He says, for in the first place when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. This was what was causing hurt. There were divisions uh, in, in the church. And again, again, to this day, just like the Corinthians, the Church divides over the very meal, communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, that is supposed to bring us together. Yeah. So, you know, just real quick run, rundown of some of the views of the Lord's Supper. Catholics believe, again, it is a re-sacrifice of the body and blood of Christ, is a re-representation of the sacrifice of Jesus, and some go as far as to say, as it, as to say as it completes the sacrifice of Jesus, and it is a means of salvation. Mm. Uh, and that of course, the, the, the famed Catholic doctrine of transubstantiation, right. where the Come. bread and the wine become the physical body and blood of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Uh, now, uh, interestingly enough, I was reading this week about how Thomas Cranmer, the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1600s, uh, when, when Queen Mary, you know, Bloody Mary, okay. was, was yep. you know, killing the Kill Reformers him. left, right, and center, you know, he was, he was uh, I think he was burned at the stake or his head was chopped off, I don't remember, Ooh. one or the other. He was martyred because he did not ascribe to the doctrine of transubstantiation. Oh wow. wow! I mean People have died over this stuff. This is good for This, him. Is, our, this yeah. is the black history, the the, the black hole history of the of the church. You yeah, know? nobody yeah. wants to talk about the this black stuff. spots. You know, we we have tons of them, man. We yeah. have some serious bad seasons as a church. <laughs> God help us. That's why we have to come together. Yeah, and so anyway. That is the uh, Catholic th- uh, theology about that. The Lutherans, who were the first to break away, you could say, from the Catholic Church. Of course, the Eastern Orthodox were already broken away, and they consider the Catholics to be broken away. But anyway, uh, the Lutherans say that the presence of Jesus is in, around, and with, and under the bread and wine. Presbyterians say that there is real presence uh, through the, uh, the elements. Uh, Charismatic Pentecostals, we used to say, is completely and only symbolic. That comes from Zwingli, a Swiss uh, a theologian yeah uh, and then the Baptist I don't know exactly what the Baptists say but I do know that they just make sure it's grape juice yeah <laughs> <laughs> no wine <laughs> please we're Baptists. come on um, so no, fine. the the point that we, we got to see here is that we're uh, we're still just like the Corinthians the same thing the Corinthians were doing we're still doing today this has to stop this has to change yeah. the church has to come together uh, so we have to realize that scripture provides us no clarity in a few things that we oftentimes die over we kill each other over Uh, no clarity as to how often we should take it there is no scripture that tells us this sure no clarity as to who can officiate or distribute the uh, bread and wine okay there's no clarity over that in scripture there's no clarity over particular words or blessings that must be spoken right from scripture there are no specific prayers no specific thanksgivings that are given to the church in scripture for that moment uh there there's a lot of openness to this table
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: i think that because there's so much openness this is like something that people say oh we're gonna take this and make this our hill to die on right (laughs) this is gonna make us who we are and and this is gonna be a way of showing ourselves as better than those other people from that other church of that other denomination
2: yeah
1: we really believe yeah you know
2: it's ridiculous Um, so actually somebody asked the question that I was going to ask you, uh, yeah, you're only allowed to go up for the host in, well, the host is, is the Eucharist in Catholic church. If you had your first communion, Mm. is that different in the Christian church? And he said, I'm trying to learn small details, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, it is different. It is different in that. We believe again, that salvation is by, by grace through faith and faith is the gift of God. Right. The fact that you believe, I, some, a lot of Christians don't get this. They don't even know this. The fact that you believe in God is a gift of God. Oh, yeah. So it's from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Mm-hmm. So having faith in Christ as your atoning sacrifice for your sins, atoning means to bring together as one, yep. is enough to participate in the Lord's table. If you believe that, and, you belie- and, and by believing that, you are, already, uh, you are already agreeing with the fact that you are a sinner, that you right. need salvation, that you need God to save you, that you need someone to pay for your sins, that you agree Christ did. Uh, that is all that is required here at Water Church for you to participate in the Lord's Supper.
1: Well, and we don't even have uh, First Communion or something equivalent. No, we don't, no. So no. it wouldn't be needed. Yeah, it wouldn't be needed, right.
2: And actually, same person, uh, <laughs> I only finished reading the comment when you were saying that. Sure. Said uh, he said I actually messed up on Good Friday and I I took a whole piece of bread like I, those are big molds. the whole was, cracker the whole I bread. knew one those person was big. gonna do it uh, Wow I mean, Yeah Yeah He said he was embarrassed he messed up he put it back Maybe that's something we can add into a, a clash or something
0: Well last the f- last year at Good Friday I told people it, to yeah, break I forgot that. to say that this Good Friday yeah. I'm sorry about that that's that, kind that of was our made. bad Kev Yeah, that was yeah. Our bad. And the, and the reason, to why we do it on Good Friday that way is because um, it reminds us that his we, we had a hand in breaking the body of Christ. What yeah. do you mean by that? Well, I mean he was broken because we're, we are sinners. Right. So that's just like a symbolic way of just mm-hmm. se- speaking to yourself physically. I broke his body through you know, my that, sins.
2: And that, that's such a, precious, uh, it's such a precious practice, I think, that we do. I, really, I love that every year that we do that. Yeah. Just, you know, I love Good Friday service. It's yeah. an amazing service. So...
0: Thus, at Waters Church, we celebrate the Lord's Supper on the first Wednesday of every month, uh, which is next week, by the way. And mm. uh, almost quarterly on the weekend, and there's a reason why we don't do it every weekend is because we believe there's going to be tons of non-believers, and hopefully we're asking and hoping and praying that tons of non-believers are showing up every weekend, and we don't want to give a moment in the service that makes them feel disconnected from us. We love, right. we, love to make, we love to help people feel like they belong to Waters Church even before they believe. Yeah. And because that's how the disciples got it. If you read the Bible closely, and the Gospels especially closely, you will see that there's a point in John chapter 6 where Peter says to Jesus, um, as, as all the crowds leave Jesus, and all that's left are 12, in John chapter 6, Peter, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, no, where can we go? And he says, because we have come to believe Mm-hmm. That you have the eternal words of life. The idea, the implication being, we didn't know for sure at first, <laughs> but now we have come to believe. So, if Jesus allowed the disciples to come in to the family, come into the the, the group there, right. uh, the community, without having fully believed, yeah, then so must we also yeah. allow people to come into the yeah. group right. and the community to without hear. fully belief. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is true for some of you who are listening. Even you, you, you may just come to Water Church and not yet have a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're so glad that you're here. Right. We hope and pray that eventually you
2: will have that saving
0: knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And but, just
2: to clarify, somebody said, so you don't need to be baptized to take communion? No. And how about children in the service taking communion?
0: Anybody who, any anyone in our service who professes faith in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins is welcome to the table. Right. Yep. Ten yeah. years and up. Yes. So again, the point, <laughs> the point because our ushers are always getting <clears throat> people at the door saying, oh, your child can't come in, and then they get, they get kind of scathing rebukes from people. Mm. Uh, anyway, he goes on in verse 19, and he says something interesting that I just want to unpack before we get a, again into the problems of Corinth. He says, for there must be factions, and the, and the word factions there could be translated heresies, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now that is a strange passage, because Paul is actually saying something that I think is a key principle for our church, and we just kind of got done talking about it. Yeah. I hope, and I pray, and here's what Paul is saying here, there absolutely has to be some people who are in the church who have heretical views. Sure. And, he, and you say, well, why, Pastor? Because how else will they be taught?
1: If they, they're not there. If they're not there.
0: Yeah. The the, the, the the people who don't believe rightly should be in the church so that they can come to believe rightly. Amen. They can be instructed rightly. Yeah. And again, how do I know if I'm being instructed rightly? Does what is being said line up with what is written in this book? Right. Is it, it properly interpreted through the interpretation principles even in the book? And so I hope, and I say this proudly, I hope every week at Water Church there are people in our church who don't agree with me. Amen. Yeah. Who <laughs> think I'm talking nonsense. <laughs> because I... <laughs> Thank God you're here and you're hearing it. Yes. That's good. I have no problem with that. Um, Because I think, too, that scripture affirms,
1: I know that scripture affirms,
0: faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if they can't come and hear, they can't come to faith.
1: So why have an obstacle? Why would we do it every week?
0: So why have the obstacle and do it every week? Exactly. Mm. I don't want to. And again, don't let it become white noise. Right. Right. But let's not create something in our service every week that makes someone feel like, oh, I don't belong. Yeah. And again, that's why on first Wednesday we are. That's more of a private service. It's a more of an in-house service. It's a more of a let your hair down as the church together kind of service. It is not as programmed. It is not as mm. you know uh, put together as the weekend service. So every first Wednesday we participate in the Lord's Supper.
1: Yeah. yeah. So we will be next week. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. So going on to the problem now. Getting back to the problems that were happening in first. Uh, I'm sorry. In Corinth in the first century. Look at what he says. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. I almost called this talk "You Are What You Eat." Uh, the reason why <laughs> the reason being is that because Paul says, based on what I see you, based on how I see you acting, he says you can't possibly be eating the Lord's Supper because <laughs> you are what you eat. Um, oh, okay, you know, gotcha. without trying to offend anybody, if you are if you are severely overweight, you know, and you are uh, you know one of those people that just it, there's not you don't struggle with weight, you are just obese. I can guarantee I know what you're eating. And it's <laughs> vegetables. And it is not vegetables and it is not They're fruits. probably vegan is what it is. They're yeah. probably vegan. Con- uh, likewise, if you are fit and trim, I can guarantee I could guess, you know, pretty generally what you eat. So,
2: and you're the- probably much more miserable in your life.
1: <laughs> hey, 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 hey. The, uh, shout out for skinny people.
2: The
0: point is. As in our physical lives, what we put into our bodies comes out visibly. Yeah. Uh, so too in our spiritual lives, what we what we put in comes out uh, visibly to people. And Paul says, "You guys are not acting like Jesus." Mm-hmm. So that's why there's no way you're eating the Lord's table. Right. You're not eating the Lord's supper. And here's what he says in verse 21: For in eating, because this is what I see, each one, and again, becomes a very individualistic moment. Mm. Each one goes ahead with his own meal. And then he says, one goes hungry, and look at this, another gets drunk. Can you imagine this? <laughs> That's
1: a crazy church right church, there, yeah. Church
0: gathering people like, you know, dancing <laughs> on the sailings, hanging from the rafters. <laughs> Woo! So verse 22, he says, don't you have houses to eat and drink in, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? So wow. there's two groups here, the haves and the have-nots.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, you people with houses, you haves people. You come to the, and and contextually in Corinth in the first century, the culture was such that you either worked for a living or you dined for a living because you had so much money and and it was a, you know, class society and all that kind of stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a good chance there was a lot of people in Corinth who were so very wealthy, independently wealthy, they could stay at home all day and dine and eat and feast and people who had to work for a living, you know, they had to spend their day at the job and then when the church came together what Mm -hmm. would happen is the people with no jobs because they had so much money would come and gorge themselves on the you know the corporate meal and they would get drunk they would drink so much (laughs) they get drunk and then the people who had to work for a living and didn't have much you could say the lower socioeconomic strata of society would come late and there'd be no food for them
1: yeah
0: and paul says this is a disgrace yeah. This is not the Lord's Supper. You have missed the, the language of the gospel. You have missed the heart of Jesus completely. So that's why he says, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. And he's going to get really firm.
1: He does. yeah. You
0: know, because he seeing that becoming a, a class-oriented society, the haves and the have-nots, and then using the church mm-hmm. as an opportunity to boast of your social class, this is anathema. This is... Completely contrary to everything Jesus did, said, and gave to us. He who was rich, Paul will say in another passage, became poor so that by his poverty, we might become rich. Right. Okay, so we have to see that the problem in Corinth can be replicated in our modern age today when we play games about who has what title in church. Right. Or making a big deal out of special donors in the church or you know in my growing up days you what would happen is people would put little plaques or little little things on pews that they had donated to the church donated by the so-and-so family well the catholics
1: you could actually purchase your family would purchase and lock and when you weren't there nobody could use that (laughs) pew (laughs) seriously seriously
0: yeah i didn't know that yeah well you know this is just again the church has so many dark moments in our history. <laughs> I, don't, no, I don't remember I don't remember that. No, I think I've heard that before, yeah. but I didn't know that you couldn't I, use it if it, That's they what I mean the, you the, lock, lock the lock
2: it. Part, I don't remember like Well, maybe well, not go, at your church. Actually but. no,
0: I think that I went to a, I went to a church in Boston it was not a Catholic church, it was an old congregational church and there were the doors on the sides of the use, yeah. and so there possibly was some well, lock I heard this <laughs> from
1: about it was from a Boston church. I don't think it's doctrine, it was a specific no, but church it was that did this but it's yeah. the same problem is what we're speaking we up, about. man. Same Seriously. Problem. The vision. We're better than you. Yeah. yeah.
0: And again, this was Corinth's classic problem. We've been talking about this from the beginning of this uh, series on the book of Cor- Corinth- First Corinthians. And it's even <laughs> infected there, what should have been the unifying gathering. Everybody's on the same playing field meal. Right. Because at the foot of the cross, the ground is level, which means everybody's a sinner. Everybody's equally in need of the grace of God. And it doesn't matter how bad you sinned or how good you sinned. (laughs) There's no good sin. But (laughs) it doesn't matter about that. We are all on level playing field. We need the cross, no matter how good or how bad you have been. Amen. And the meal must represent that. And Paul says, you are not letting the meal represent that. You are looking more like the world, which loves to thrive on class divisions and loves to play us versus them games. Just watch. Fox News or CNN, Mm. loves to say your neighborhood is over there and our neighborhood is over here behind these gates. Mm. That's the world's mentality. And that can never be the church's mentality. Our doors are open to all people, no matter what background they come from.
2: And we are here for those who are not
0: yet
1: here. Yeah, But you'll see it every weekend. You look in the audience every weekend, and I always say that it's just such an eclectic... That's one reason I love our Church. Yeah. It's so eclectic, so many different walks of life, Yes, as is the body of Christ, as it should as be. As is the know? body
0: of Christ. And we have to continue to teach ourselves this through the Lord's table so that we live it out. Right, you right. Know? And he's saying that your problem is the way that you're eating is not reflecting who Christ is. So he says in verse 23... A reminder. Now, we've dealt with the problem. We've talked about the problem. Here's the reminder. He's going to go right back to, remember, I received. He said, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed. Remember, he was betrayed when he did this. Yeah. This is He, And he knew that he was going to be betrayed when he did this because he tells them in the supper, the one who dips his yeah. bread in the sauce with me, he's the one who's going to betray me. They're all like, who's going to betray you? And while he's doing that, he's feeding them food right. and and helping them be sustained and um, G- and Judas is there plotting to kill him. Okay. So he says, On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, the, a reminder a reminder that the Lord's Supper, the table, is to remind us that Jesus sacrificed himself for us, right. and uh, he becomes our spiritual food. And then in verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, This is the cup. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Again, we come to that table to proclaim Jesus died for us. Mm. Right. And who are we proclaiming that to? Anybody who's watching us take the table, anybody who's taking the table with us, and ourselves, most of all. Okay. It's because I think that...
1: Remind ourselves.
0: Yeah, because I think that it is a trend. It is a natural, normal trend in every Christian's life to get to that point where you start thinking, I've arrived. Uh I'm there. You know, young believers, we get it. You struggle, but not me. I'm, I'm a long time seasoned believer. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Seasoned believer. Yeah. You're you're seasoned with (laughs) your own self, pal. Uh, you need, you need a reminder that sin is far deeper than action. As Jesus said, if you just look lustfully, if you just harbor resentment, if you just think angry thoughts, I mean, um, we have to remind ourselves continually that we don't ever walk away from the cross as perfected saints. We come back to the cross as people who constantly need God's grace every day. Yeah. And we do this through the, uh, the moment of communion to say to ourselves, we're proclaiming, we are not re-sacrificing in Christ. We are proclaiming that it was done for us. Yeah. So the resolve begins in verse 27, which is when Paul says, uh whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in the, of the lord in a, an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the blood uh body and
2: blood of the lord that's uh, scary this is scary that's that's a scary passage i'm I mean. sure that this passage evokes tons of questions yeah this yeah this always confused me too when i was a kid because it was like all right so does that mean if i if i take the body and the blood of the lord uh without having repented of sin or something does that mean salvation is gone Am I going to hell now? Like, what does that mean? Guilty of, of what? Guilty of what?
1: And, yeah. Or what's the unworthy manner? I mean, yeah, okay. we're all kind of unworthy.
0: Yeah, and these are great questions. And it's very important that we answer this and give clarity here because the word is specific, unworthy manner, not unworthy character. Okay. Okay, so unworthy manner is, playing the cl- for the Corinthian context, playing the class game, us versus them. We're better than them. We're not going to have concern for our <clears throat> have-not brothers because we have and we're okay. Uh, this idea that we are more significant than other Christians or or whatever kind of party spirit, party mentality that you want to celebrate rather than uh, rather than resolve, revolve yourself around the fact that we are all one in Christ Jesus and we are all equally in need of his grace. Right. And therefore, we treat each other as, with honor and dignity because we, we we're no better than anybody else. He's saying, basically, if you're... If you're acting in an unworthy manner as you eat the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are guilty concerning your testimony as a Christian of the body and blood in Christ. Um, So what you're saying here, Paul, what Paul is saying here is, no, uh, you are not damned to hell if you don't properly confess and repent of every single sin in your life. First off, I think it's impossible to confess and repent of every single sin in your life, yeah. because there is even sins that you commit you don't even know you're committing. Right? There are sins of omission. Okay, forget the, forget the the bad stuff that you do that you shouldn't do. There's a whole bunch of stuff that you should do that you don't do. Right? Sure. And 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 even beyond that, there is the motivation for why you do or do not do what you do or do not do. Yeah. And, and if your motivation is bad, the motivation matters. You know. So. The, the passage here is not saying, watch out that you don't take this cup and, and this bread without properly repenting of every single sin you ever committed or as you're going to hell. No, he's saying when you come together, if you have this party, party mentality, if you have this us, we're better than them mentality, you have lost your concept of the gospel. You have lost touch with the Christ who saved you. And you are testifying to the world about a God that does not exist, a God who plays favorites, a right. God who, you know, you know, says these are my special people and these people really seriously need help. No, no, no. We are the body of Christ and we are all one in him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So then he goes on in verse 27 and he says, so for that reason, examine yourself and then eat the body, uh, the bread, I'm sorry, the bread and, the, and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, Eats and drinks judgment myself. Again, you discern that when you take these, the bread and the cup, when you take them, you are saying, "This is Christ broken for me." Okay, not transubstantiation. These are the I am receiving Christ symbolically of the fact that I have received him uh, supernaturally or spiritually by faith. And so when I say, when he says, "Examine yourself." First off, I love that Paul says, "Examine yourself." Don't be examining others.
1: Right. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> We got a lot of fruit inspectors in the church, <laughs> you know? This, you can't take it.
0: The, and by the way, Christians paying, who, who who love to be fruit inspectors, and I know your favorite Bible verse. I know it. It's from Matthew chapter 7. You shall know them by their fruits, pastor. You shall know them by their <laughs> fruits. Okay, read it in context, friend, <clears throat> because he's talking not about other believers. He's talking about false teachers. mm He's talking about the fact that there will be many false teachers among you, and these people you will know by their fruits. Oh wow! He's not talking about your brother and sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. He, this is not a a call to be examining the fruit of every other Christian that you've ever come in contact with. I can't stand these people. Yeah, I can't stand. Well, you should know them by the fruit. Obviously, he's not. A, maybe he had an upbringing that's completely different than yours, and you need a little bit more grace with him.
1: Yeah. Let, let God people suck, judging. man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know how to say that. But there are a lot of people who have zero grace with people. And I'll tell you, it's the yeah. people who had the most advantageous childhood, yeah, a loving father mothers. and mother, a great home, a great upbringing, a great education, and then they see the woman getting pregnant out of wedlock, and they're like, shame on her. Yeah, but she didn't have a father. Right. Yeah. Or maybe her father ditched her or her mother ditched her. You don't know.
2: Yeah. Have grace with people, for heaven's sakes. And stop examining them and start examining yourself. Yeah, there's too many people like that. They're just so judgy. And, and I mean, we got to call sin out for what sin is. But there's just there's like this attitude with with a self-righteousness. We
0: have know? to. Yes. Yeah. When there is uh, gross, intentional and unrepentant sin, such as in first Corinthians five, when the guy was sleeping with his mother. Yeah. When his stepmother do that, you know, Paul calls it out. This is even pagans think this is bad. What right. the heck is wrong with you people? You know, and, and even here, he says, you guys aren't. You guys aren't loving one another genuinely. He's calling out that as sin to say sure. you're coming together and you're eating your own food and you're not considering other people and you're not sharing the table. You're just using it for your own benefit. That's not the Lord's table. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's that point. But this this sense of um, I am a self-appointed judge of the living and the dead. Sorry, that title has already been taken. Yep. His name is Jesus. Amen. Resign your throne of judgment and let him be the judge. Uh, so he's uh, gonna go on here and he says in verse 30 that is why and this is a very interesting text that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died what is why because you haven't examined yourself and you've eaten and drinking uh condemnation or judgment so not not condemnation judgment and now you are weak and ill and some have died so that's scary too i yeah if,
1: (laughs) if i don't examine myself properly and i take the, the cracker and the juice, I'm, I'm gonna get ill or sick or die.
0: Again, in the context of the Corinthian church, remember, yeah. party spirit, have and have nots, the haves were exploiting the poor. Right. And they were coming, they were looking a lot like the world in this us and them mentality, this we're not together, we're better than you mentality. And they were coming, bringing that right into the Lord's Supper, and it was going to be judged. The, the Lord's Supper is a serious thing. And if you bring the spirit of the world into the church, mm-hmm. God will judge. The church, the Bible talks about this judgment begins in the house of God. And this is a fact, friends, you might not like this, but it is a fact that God will bring severe judgment upon his body as a disciplinary measure right. to perfect his body. Yeah. And sometimes, and this is going to be hard to hear, mm. God will go so far as to put some of his people to death. He <laughs> it, disciplines
1: his own he children. He disciplines
0: his own Sometimes God takes you out of this life mm. because if He left you here, you would do more harm yeah, that's good. to people than He wants and He would He would like. And so I've seen that happen in my history. I've seen that happen with people that I've known
1: yeah. who really sin terribly and can't get out of that addiction or, yeah, or whatever it is. They were gone. So it's not like they were dying of alcoholism or being drunk or being obese because of well, that Well, we don't activity? know, but we could say that that might have been the case
2: because yeah. they were getting drunk. And you believe those people were indeed believers?
1: Yeah, I believe they are. Okay, okay, were.
0: Okay, because we're going to say, we're gonna sh- I'm going to show you from the text that they are still believers and they're not damned to hell. Okay, good. okay Because <laughs> he's going to say in the very next passage, he's going to say, but if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. In other words, if you take care oh, yeah. of that sin in your life now then the Lord's not going to have to take care of that sin in a, in a drastic measure, such as illness, weakness, or death. Right. Okay. Is, okay. So then he says, uh, but when we are judged by the Lord, no, sorry about that. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the Lord. Notice mm. there's a difference. There's a difference between the judgment of God upon his, upon his people, which right. Paul says is discipline. And this lines up with Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. God disciplines those he loves. Right. Okay. And he punishes and chastises everyone he considers a son. Mm-hmm. So there is judgment from God upon the church for discipline. That is, that he might make them a better reflection of the character and manner of Christ. Uh, that he might make them better citizens and, and more loving neighbors and more caring and concerned uh, community members. And there's discipline for that. Right. Sometimes illness, sometimes sickness. Not all the time. Please don't say every time you get sick, God's judging me. Right. That's good. That's good. There's such (laughs) a thing as disease, viruses, and all that kind of stuff. And we're subject to the fallen creation. and And we long and we groan inwardly for the redemption of our bodies. Absolutely. But there are some sicknesses that God has given to people or allowed to come to people because they will not repent of certain practices that... Is like God is knocking them upside the head now and saying, Hey, you're my, you're my kid, get your act together. Here. Right, yeah. That's okay, great. not all sickness, but he says it here that there are some sicknesses that are like that. And so he says, When we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along the road. What does God give to his church? Discipline. What does God give to the world? Condemnation. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So we, the world is, and, and Jesus said in the gospels, He said, You're already condemned because you don't believe, you refuse to believe in me. Mm-hmm. So condemnation. And I think this is an important um, anthropological principle for us as Christians. Big long word there. Meaning, <laughs> yeah. how do we understand yeah. how do we understand human beings?
1: Okay.
0: By nature, Ephesians chapter two calls us children of wrath. John chapter six, I believe, Jesus says uh, we are condemned. We are by nature condemned before God right. outside of faith in Christ Jesus, which brings with it the anger, the animosity, the hostility, the Cain spirit that mm-hmm. kills Abel. Because mm-hmm. why? Because Jealous. he knew. Not just jealous, but because he knew his actions were evil. Okay. He knew he was evil, so he was resentful and hateful and angry toward Abel, and then eventually killed him. Why does this still happen in the world today? Because people are disconnected from God, and therefore stand eternally condemned. And they may not have the articulation of words to say that, but they know it. Yeah. Deep yeah. down inside. Yeah. No, I know some atheists who are very nice people. Yeah. Sure. On the outside. <laughs> On the outside, they look nice. You yeah. don't know what's going on really down deep inside their hearts. Yeah, what
1: are they thinking? You you don't know the
0: whole story of anybody. So don't please don't tell me that you found a few good, you know, atheists out there, and therefore that disavows the entire scriptural record.
1: Right. Wrong. <laughs> no one is
0: good. <laughs> There's a. There you, well, there can, you go. Yeah. No yeah. one is no good. One is good. Is the good. heart yeah. is wicked. Yeah. And you can stand condemned before the Father and still do a lot of civic good. Yeah. I think of King Cyrus and Daniel, chapters. Six or something like that. You know, King Cyrus was a good king. Uh, you know, at Xerxes and Esther, he kind of comes around to being a good king. These are pagans who God uses for His good, even though they stood condemned before Him.
2: Somebody said, uh, "I don't think God brings sickness. He's all about healing, isn't He?"
0: He allows sickness right yeah, here. Sure, right here in the you know. Well, you now you can bring, say brings
2: sickness. I think the, the specific question was. I don't think God brings sickness. It's well, in the text,
1: though.
0: Well, right? you've got a problem because you've got to measure what you think by what Scripture says. Yeah. Okay, and this is a Ken <laughs> uh, think and feeling, and oh, this is what I think God is like. Have you created a God in your own image and in your own likeness, or have you created a God that is in line with the revelation of His Word? Yeah. I um, mean, even
2: uh, even even like, I'm thinking. Okay, about, well, I'm listen, thinking Old what's the,
0: Testament. What's the worst the sickness can do to yeah. you? What's the worst? Kill thing, you.
1: Kill you. Okay,
0: Ananias and Sapphira, who put them yeah. to death?
1: Yeah, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. put them to death. <laughs> or before that, what about the the snake with Moses and the judgment yeah, on all of exactly. Israel? Yes. I mean,
2: yes, God, and, yes, God
0: heals, but yes, Job, God yeah. will use evil and
1: sickness get
0: your to get our attention. Yeah. It is it is across the board in the scriptural record. And thank you for bringing that up about the snakes.
1: And the poisonous, uh, the the outbreak of sickness. Because well, that was a picture, right? That wasn't the snake on the sick picture of Jesus. Yes,
2: yes. Yeah. And uh, there's even there's a verbiage debate going on oh in boy. terms of uh, there's a there difference go. between God bringing sickness and allowing it. But okay, well I'll give you another text
0: <laughs> when it says that an evil spirit, from, an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul.
1: Discuss. Who brought it? Discuss it. You tell me
0: who brought it. If the scripture says, an evil spirit from the Lord troubled Saul. From so it is Lord. very clear that though there is evil out there, God ultimately is sovereign over it and can use it and direct it according to his purpose. He is not the author of evil. Right. Scripture is very clear about that. He mm-hmm. is completely good. But he absolutely can and will use evil for his purposes. Look, the cross... What? was a symbol of evil. It was a symbol of man's hatred for one another. Yeah. And God takes it and redeems it. And now we wear it on our necks and we tattoo it on our bodies. <laughs> it's like, what if what if it was in you know 18th century France? We'd be tattooing little a electric gil- chairs or, or guillotine, guillotine, sorry, yeah. guillotines on our bodies and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> or, or, or today it would be a little <laughs> injection needle you know, on our
2: arms. Like, like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, praise the, you know, uh, thank you, God, for the injection needle. That has we put thank me you
2: for the chair.
1: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Change so, all
1: worship music.
0: Please, Christians, and I'm begging you to do this. Check out what you think about God with what is in the Scriptures, mm. given to us by the Holy Spirit for teaching, correcting, training, and and uh, rebuking in righteousness.
2: You know, and you that. should mention Tim that uh that that wonderful thing that you did in the starting point class about the order of hierarchy in terms of church scripture. Yeah,
0: I mean, the, the church, the order of hierarchy, and it's a very simple dichotomy between us and Catholics, Protestants, and Catholics is. Uh, Catholics, the order of authority goes God, uh, Church, Scripture. Mm. So Scripture is submitted to Church authority, whereas in the Protestant faith, it is uh, typically it is God, Scripture, Church. The, the Church is submitted to the authority of Scripture. Yeah. Man. Again, Second Timothy three sixteen to seventeen, all Scripture is God breathed and is profitable for correcting. Correcting who? Us. Right. Rebuking. Rebuking who? Us. Teaching mm. and training who? Us. Yeah. Uh, in all righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped. Uh, Whenever I hear a Christian say, well, I think God is like this. Oh, I just want to like, I just want to like throw my hands in the air. Yeah. You've got to know what God is like. How do you know what God is like through the word? Yeah. It just proves to me that you don't spend time in God's word. Listening to what he says, reading through the whole counsel of God and being submissive to it instead of formulating God in your own opinions. That's why we have the word in the first place. Yeah. Right. So that we stay away from formulating God. What did the pagan world, what did the pagan religions of the Old Testament and the ancient times do? They formulated God in their own opinions. Mm, right. And so they changing. sacrificed their children and they scarred themselves and they cut themselves and they did all kinds of weird things. And God says, that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. Let me write it down so that you know.
1: Yeah.
0: So you can know who God is, friend. You can know. You don't have to think. You can know. Amen. Okay, going on. Verse 33, (laughs) verse 33, he says, so then my brothers, when you come together again, there it is come together T. Here's the point. So then means this is the point. Wait for one another. The point is that you can't, no, yes, in communion or yes, at the Lord's table, you should examine yourself and ask for forgiveness for any known sin and repent and tell the Lord, forgive me and help me. And I know I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Absolutely. But the point Paul's making here in first Corinthians is that you need to wait for one another. When you come to the table, the Lord, examine your attitude toward your brothers and sisters. Are you treating them fairly and equitably? Are you loving them genuinely? Or are you thinking I'm better than that person and I'm not as bad as that person? All that kind of stuff. No. The Lord's table is meant to teach us that we are all equal in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must treat one another with equal dignity, respect, honor, no matter the race, color. No matter the background, no matter the sin issue, no matter the, the 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 Christian history, no matter what degree they have or do not have title, they do have they have or do not have. We are all together
1: as one. <clears throat> so, okay. I was just gonna say, is that why we all get an equal size of the cup and the cracker? Yeah, it could be. I uh, mean, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of economic. <laughs> reason. My cracker was smaller than there's yours. A lot I of, know. I was jealous. There's a lot of economic reason for that too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, cool. We always church, compare so. crackers.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, Actually, I mean, speaking of crackers, how did we, how did we get from what it seems to be this amazing banquet with tons of uh, food? Yeah, and I'll alcohol. tell you right now.
0: It's right there in verse 34 because he says, If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home yeah. so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. In other words, uh, of course, we have natural hunger and meals that we need to have to sustain ourselves. Well, let's not use the Lord's table for that. Yeah. Mm. Remember that at the final supper, the Lord only mentions out of the entire supper the, the cup and the bread. So as long as it's the bread and the cup, Right. It's irrelevant whatever else you partake in to, for the sustenance of your body. The Lord's Supper is those two elements, the cup right. and the bread. And so scripturally we come to that conclusion here from verse 34 because he says, look, eat your regular meals at home so mm. that when you come to the Lord's table, you're not exploiting one another, you're not taking advantage of the moment for your own selfishness, and you're just taking all the equal share of the, of the elements there. Yeah. And it's not for judgment. About the other things he says, I will give you directions when I come. All right, um, last thing that I want to say about our church, and this is just for clarity purposes, Waters Church, when we take communion or when we practice the Lord's Supper, it is first Wednesday. It is once a quarter, usually on the weekends, and it is small groups. So, uh, yeah, small groups. Small groups, we, always, we encourage our small group leaders to celebrate communion with um, their smokers. again, this is not McDonald's fries and grape flavored <laughs> spike. This is <laughs> you know, you put some effort in here. Right. Chick Fil A nuggets, right? Put some effort in here and and get get yourself some bread. It doesn't necessarily have to be unleavened, uh, but get yourself some bread, get some some, some grape juice some wine, or, or some, wine, some wine. You know, and and this idea though, I don't want to cause my you know alcoholic brother to stumble. If yeah. a little sip of wine causes them to stumble, they got serious problems. <laughs> I'm just okay, but you know maybe you don't do that for, the, sure. for their sake. Uh, and that goes back to our gray areas conversation. Mm. But anyway, small groups can do it. Who administers it? The, we, do, we do say that, in our church at least, um, just be, so that it is administered correctly, the pastoral team, myself and Cheryl, uh, elders uh, and small group leaders, yeah. will administer, uh, having been properly trained about these things, the uh, Lord's <clears throat> Supper to people. And then who can participate? Again, all who profess faith after self-examination. All
2: Right. Now, when you say administer, you're talking strictly about, the spiritual principle you're not talking about physically putting it into anybody's tongue or anything like that. Well, well I that's do. what I, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Catholic church, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. go up with your hands Again
0: open, there right? is there if for everything the Catholic church there is some um you know uh, what's what's the word that they use for their their church documents there is some catechism? Uh, uh, not catechism some ha oh, it just came in <laughs> and went out of my head. It's is some magisterium. There we go. Okay. There is some written magisterium about it. And it's supposed to point to something else. And again, uh, I can't, as a Protestant minister, speak for all Catholic theology. Sure. I can only interpret it from what I've read. And I have read Catholic theologians on this. I have some notes that I prepared for us for this talk today from a Catholic theologian, and I read up on it. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say again, it is weak on scriptural basis, it is heavy on, uh, again, church traditions. Right. And so, again, the, dichot- the, the order of authority uh, God, church, Scripture or God, Scripture, Church. We are on the God, Scripture, Church uh, side. And I do not say this is demonize our Catholics, brother, Catholic brethren and, and <laughs> uh, are That's not my point here. Okay. Uh, the Lord's going to sort us all out. And he knows those who are his. And so uh, I do not, in, in, at any moment, do I ever demonize uh, publicly or privately the Catholic faith. Uh, we, we need these people who uh, affirm the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm. They affirm the necessity of his sacrifice for our salvation. They affirm the Trinity. They affirm, yeah. in many respects, Scripture's authority. Uh, but, 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 but there are some differences that we maintain with them. And uh, I believe at the end of the day, uh, in every church, including ours, there is within every church a real church. Right. And my admonition to my church, Waters Church, and to everybody listening is examine yourself. Mm. Are you taking that bread and that cup because you realize you needed Christ to save you from your sins just as much as that terrible person down the street and just as much as that really holy person that you know from your childhood or whatever because you know that he is the only way, he is the only truth, and he is the only life. That is why we come to this table. And I hope it brings us together. And I hope you have enjoyed this time together. I'll see you next Wednesday, first Wednesday at night. I hope you're there. 6 p.m. prayer, 7 p.m. worship, 7.30, the word. This was The Deep End. The deep end. Thanks for joining us for this week's Deep End Podcast. We pray that you continue to grow in your faith and that you would serve and support your local church. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us this weekend at Waters Church. We are located at 57 John Deach Square in North Attleboro, Massachusetts. And you can join us every Saturday at 4 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. Make sure to stay tuned in for next week's episode of The Deep End Podcast.